Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, coming to you live on the Only You Podcast. This is a podcast where I like to do book reviews based on psychological, self-help, or any areas I believe that would help somebody become better, wealthier, stronger, up, more uplifted, to be somebody you weren't yesterday and maybe somebody new today. Um, today, I'm thinking about a book that I came across. It, it, um, this book was actually the inspiration to the 2006 movie, The Secret. Subsequent um, was uh, the the book and the um, with the same name. I guess it was Rhonda Byrne, the author of The Secret, and she like let everybody know that the exposure to the book I'm going to read to you today was her inspiration and that book is The Science of Getting Rich. And I chose this book today because it isn't just a book about getting rich, it's also a book about just self-development and kind of really understanding how you become a better person when you're suffering from addiction or you know, terrible habits or habits that you just want to get rid of or break and set yourself free and overcome boundaries that have been setbacks in your past, you know, and remember, it's called the past for a reason because that's where we want to leave everything. Um, Rhonda Byrne also wrote a book called The Power, and I, th I think I read The Secret in like 2010, but I remember when I read the book, The Power, it was so powerful. I'm telling you, it tells a story in that book about a young boy dying of cancer and how his dad gave him this rock to hold on to and to clench it when he was in pain. And in reality, and like, I can't remember honestly if it said that the boy would would feel better, you know, if he had that rock to hold on to. And I remember that it wound up curing him or I believe, yeah, it wound up curing him. But that was the most, I mean, my whole life started to change back then. Like I really didn't realize reading books could be so powerful. And that's why like some governments were banning being able to read books because it actually made the people smarter and uh, more educated because life's about educating yourself. Um, so I wanted to tell you that the science of getting rich was written by a gentleman named Wallace Waddles. Um, Wallace was uh, born in 1860. He was an American New Thought writer, which the New Thought started the th uh, New Thought movement started in Chicago. You know, and he, uh, Wallace uh, Waddles remains uh, personally somewhat obscure, but his writing has been widely quoted and remains in print in the New Thought and self-help movements. Uh, his daughter, Florence Waddles, described her father's life in a letter that was published shortly after his death in the New Thought magazine, and it's called Nautilus. Elizabeth, and it was edited by Elizabeth Town, but the, the Nautilus had previously uh, carried articles by Waddles in almost every issue, and uh, Town was also his publisher um, for his book. Florence Waddles wrote that her father was born in the U.S., and 1860 received little formal education and found himself excluded from the world of commerce and wealth according to the 1880 u.s federal census wallace lived with his parents on a farm in nunda township mchenry county illinois which that's up by chicago i believe and worked as a farm laborer his father is listed as a gardener and his mother as housekeeper. <laughs> Interesting.
Wallace is listed as being born in Illinois, while his parents are listed as being born in New York, which that was a common theme back then because everybody came through, you know, um, Ellis Island. No other siblings are recorded as living with the family. According to the 1910 census, Waddles was married to Abby Waddles, uh, 47. They had three children, Florence, Russell, and Agnes. It also shows that at the time, Wallace's mother, Mary Waddles, was living with the family at the age of 79. Back then, that was a huge uh, feat to live that long. Florence... Uh, wrote that he made lots of money and then she's talking about her father remember Wallace the one who wrote the book I'm getting ready to uh, share with you he made lots of money and had good health except for his extreme frailty in the last three years before his death Waddles died on February 7th 1911 in Ruskins Tennessee and his body was transferred uh, back to Elwood, Indiana, as a sign of respect, businesses closed throughout the town for two hours on the afternoon of his funeral. His death at 51 was regarded as the ulti- as untimely by his daughter. In the previous year, he had not only published two books, The Science of Being Well and The Science of Getting Rich, but he had also run for public office, which he actually run as uh, for, I believe it was like the Socialist Party, because he was a Christian socialist, I believe. Um, Thank you guys for listening. This is the Only You Podcast, and this is your boy Lo Jackson, and I'm coming to you live. Um, Today, I am sharing with you the book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. This book is pragmatical, not philosophical, a practical manual, not a treaty upon theories. It is intended for the men and women whose most pressing need is for money, who wish to get rich first and philosophize afterwards. It is for those who have so far found neither the time, the means, nor the opportunity to go deeply into the study of metaphysics, but who want results and who are willing to take the conclusions of science as a basis for action. Without going into all the processes which by excuse me, by which those conclusions were reached. It is expected that the reader will take the fundamental statements upon faith, just as he would take statements concerning a law of electrical action if they were um, written by Marconi or an Edison, and taking the statements upon faith that he will prove their truth by acting upon them without fear or hesitation, Which makes sense when you're trying to do something new. You have to do it fearlessly and without hesitation. Or you won't experience true change. I've, I've experienced it myself. Every man or woman who does this will certainly get rich. For the science herein applied is an exact science. And failure is impossible. For the benefit, however, of those who wish to investigate philosophical theories and so secure a logical basis for faith, I will here cite certain authorities. The monistic theory of the universe, the theory that one is all and that all is one, that one substance manifests itself as the seeming many elements of the material world, is of Hindu origin, and has been gradually winning its way into the thought of the Western world for 200 years. It is the foundation of all the Oriental philosophies. And of those of Descartes, Spinoza, Leibniz, Hegel, and Emerson, the reader who would dig to the philosophical foundations is advised to Read Hegel and Emerson, and he will do well to read the, the Eternal News, a very excellent pamphlet published by J.J. Brown. He may also find some 
help in a series of articles written by the author, which were published in The Nautilus, which I told you earlier that was um, for the, um, what was it, the, yeah, the new, I can't even think of the name of it. I am so sorry, you guys. I thought that was, it was that social, yeah, new thought movement. I could not think of it. Wow, I had to look back at my notes. I'm like, sheesh. Sorry, y'all. It took so long. Yeah, the new thought movement. Thank you guys for tuning into the Only You podcast. Um, today I'm doing The Science of Getting Rich. In writing this book, I have sacrificed all other considerations to plainness and simplicity of style so that all might understand. The plan of action laid down herein was deduced from the conclusion of philosophy and has been uh, thoroughly tested and bears the supreme test of practical experiment. It works. If you wish to know how the conclusions were arrived at, read the writings of the authors mentioned above, and if you wish to reap the fruits of their philosophies in actual practice, read this book and do exactly as it tells you to do. The author. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, the Science of Getting Rich. I, I just couldn't believe that this um, book sparked the secret. I thought that was so exciting when I read that. Um, chapter one of this book is um, for a happy and, or lesson one, for a happy and fulfilling life, you need a healthy mind, body, soul, which requires, if I could talk, requires temporal wealth. And I do believe that too. Temporal riches are required to nurture your body, mind, and soul and live a truly fulfilling life. When you combine your faith and purpose with action towards your goals, you begin to see them becoming a reality. Utilizing your talents will lead to greater growth towards making your dreams come true. People that have money worry they'll lose it, and people without money want to have it. While there are many forces around us that attempt to make our desire for affluence seem wrong, it's a natural part of being human. If you want to live an abundant life, you need to take care for your mind, body, and soul. And i got to tell you guys that when I first started working out, my body started, I mean, after I worked out for like seven months straight every day, I started at the end, I was working out like two hours a day. I was always saying mind, body, soul, you know, because, and then I started practicing those things daily, you know, I work, I was already working on my body. So my mind then once I put, you know, which I mean, diet's important too. And the word diet actually comes from the Greek and it means our way of life. So whatever you put in your mouth, that's your way of life. Um, and once I started eating clean and I never ate fast food and I only drink water, it I I just changed. It changed my life completely, you know, when I was thinking mind, body, and soul. And that's another reason why I wanted to share this book with you is because I want to share that part of my life that it's possible. I went from being overweight, obese, weak, uh, having lots of pain ailments to changing my body completely in a year by focus and forcing myself and thinking mind, body, and soul. And once you work on your body and you eat healthy, your mind changes and the neural pathways in your brain form differently and they reconstruct because your DNA can take on different forms throughout your life. It depends on how much you fast, because fasting is so important. 12 hours a day is fasting without food. You know, I mean, I wouldn't go without water if you don't have to, but, you know, you can, and it works, you know. But once you do that, you know, you work on your body, you work on your mind, and then when you start to incorporate your God into the mix of all of that, and you thank Him every day, and you get on your knees... And just be grateful for the breath you have inside of you that everything is for his glory and not for your own selfishness. It's a, it, I mean, it's a game changer. 
It changes everything. Your boundaries are set differently. The prodigium in your mind. You know, and I've talked about that in my past podcast too. And thank you guys for listening. And I hope you're in, enjoying the book I'm reading to you. Money is a critical component to nurturing mind, body, and soul. And thus is also vital to finding purpose and happiness as well. Think about your mind, for example. How can you take the best care of your mind, reading books, becoming educated, and even playing games, help our mental capacities grow? I recently just seen a study that said that kids that game quite frequently, their overall well-being was pretty good, but kids that were hardcore gamers were highly addicted to the gaming world. They had the best overall well-being of all kids in any age groups. And I found that to be mind-blowing because I was part of the generation that really got into gaming. I watched all the consoles come out. I mean, I played ColecoVision as a kid. I played Atari. I seen Nintendo come out in 86. I seen Super Nintendo you know, in the 90s, and my my upbringing was, oh, those video games are going to make you stupid, oh, those are, those are going to make you dumb, oh, that's all you kids care about, and in reality, parents are saying that to their kids now too, but that's not true though, those overall um, kids, their overall well-being is better than everybody that ain't gaming, it's crazy, I couldn't believe it either, and it's true, look it up, Google it, you guys, but how can... You have any of these if you don't have the money to pay for them. Your body also needs critical components to have the energy and power you need to function happily. Think about the healthy food, quality sleep, and clothing clothing that helps you feel confident and comfortable in your body. And remember, flaxseed clothing is the best for your body because it carries the best frequency that matches your body's frequency. Not... Uh, none of these elements of a healthy body are possible if you're poor. Nurturing the soul is a matter of love, and love is all about our relationships. Think of how much better you can care for those you love when you have the funds to do so. Imagine the nice meals, gifts, and quality time you could spend with your loved ones if you had the money to do so. Being Materially well, materially wealthy is one way to calm many of the worries of our souls and become healthier. So, is that not something interesting to think about? I, I think it is. Um, you know, I'm sorry, you guys. I did want to back up real fast and tell you that chapter one of this book was actually called The Right to Be Rich. And I wanted to share with you whatever may be said and praise of poverty, the fact remains that it is not possible to live a really complete or successful life unless one is rich. No man can rise to his greatest possible height and talent or soul development unless he has plenty of money for to unfold the soul and to develop talent. He must have many things to use and he cannot have these things unless he has money to buy them with. Man develops in mind, soul, and body by making use of things, and society is so organized that man must have money in order to become the possessor of things. Therefore, the basis of all advancement for man must be the science of getting rich. Now, I find that to be um, pretty pretty awesome, because, I mean, it just makes sense. Um, no man can rise to his greatest possible height and talent or soul development unless he has plenty of money. And, you know, because money helps you unfold your soul, and I do believe that. And it's it just makes so much sense. I, uh, I, I, um, chapter two of this book, there is a science. There is a science of getting rich. And the lesson is your specific talent, excuse me, your specific talents are another key element to progress. And by using them, you can encourage others to reach their dreams too. 
Visualization is a powerful tool to help move us forward reaching our goals. When we envision what we want and how it will feel to attain it, then we will make that vision a reality. But looking towards the future with hope isn't the only ingredient required for success. We also have to act. Without work, none of our dreams will become a reality. But putting in the effort isn't always easy. Often we fear that the circumstances aren't right for the work we want to put in. We think we don't have enough time, don't know enough, or are missing critical connections. All of these are excuses. When we realize that if you want the environment to become right, you have the power to make that happen all by yourself. You can change the world around you by the way you think and act to pave the way for reaching your goals. Some fall into the trap of giving their mental effort in one area and their physical effort in a different one. As we learn in Essentialism by Greg McCohen, having too many different goals leads to decreased energy available to work on each one. Instead of spreading yourself thin, you should focus on aligning your mental and physical efforts on the same work towards the same goal. The, uh, the more you succeed this way, the more additional success you will attract. And I, w- I do want to share this, and maybe I'm crazy, but I do have s- many sisters, and I've watched over time, and I've always felt like this, that um, after each one of my sisters, even other family members of mine, not just my sisters, but others, um, cousins too, aunts and uncles, not uncle, but um, so uh, I always thought this though. Once they had more than two kids, it was like the mom's love got so spread thin, and she was always upset and stressed. And it was an interesting theory to me. And I, I mean, I, and I felt like this chapter in this book kind of when it, when he when he talked about you know spreading the love thin, that's what it made me think about. And I just wanted to share that because it's. You know, I mean, obviously, it don't have anything to do with this book, but it, you know, spreading yourself thin. You should focus on aligning your mental and physical efforts on the same work towards the same goal. Yeah, those two kids, you know. No, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast. Um, today I'm doing a book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. Um, that was a uh, pretty much, you know, a rundown of the second chapter in this book. I think that um, Lawrence Waddles was highly intelligent. I just don't know about the Christian socialism or, you know, his run for uh, uh, social office. I just found that crazy. Um, Getting rich is not a matter of environment. For it, if it were, all the people in certain neighborhoods would become wealthy. The people of one city would all be rich, while those of other in other towns would all be poor. Or the inhabitants of one state would roll in wealth, while those in adjoining states would be in poverty. But everywhere we see rich or poor living side by side in the same environment, and often, often engaged in the same vocations. And I mean, this book was written a long time ago. And if you guys wanted to do some research, you should check out the year 1971 because that was actually when the wealthy broke away from the middle class and um, the impoverished class in America. And then um, 1971 was when those people pretty much became like gazillionaires overnight because of the choices that our um, government made and the choices that Richard Nixon made. When two men are in the same locality and in the same business and one gets rich while the other remains poor, it shows that getting rich is not primarily a matter of environment. Some environments may be more favorable than others, but when two men in the same business are in the same neighborhood and one gets rich while the other fails, it indicates that getting rich is the result 
of doing things in a certain way. And obviously, I would say it also has to do with, um, you know, a lot of your choices. I would say, you know, some stuff would be like um, your upbringing or, you know, it's like... um, the book uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Check that guy out. He was raised by a dad that was college educated, but he got a way more, a, a better business sense from a hustler dad that was a businessman than his own dad that was a law abiding citizen. That, you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that the other guy was breaking the law, but I, I felt like he, uh, there definitely could have been something going on there when I read that book. So maybe I made that up. I shouldn't say that. I take it back. <laughs> this is the only you podcast and this is live, so I can't take it back. Sorry, sir. Um, chapter three is opportunity is opportunity monopolizing. I think that sounds pretty interesting, you know? We just got done reading uh chapter two. There is a science of getting rich. Um so is opportunity monopolizing? No, man. It, <laughs> no man is kept poor because opportunity has been taken away from him. Because other people have monopolized the wealth and have put a fence around it. Yeah, money's endless, for real. You may be shut off from engaging in business in certain lines, but there are other channels open to you. Probably... It would be hard for you to get control of any of the great railroad systems. That field is pretty well monopolized. But the electric railway business is still in its infancy and others, excuse me, and offers plenty of scope for enterprise. And it will be but a very few years until traffic and transportation through the air will become a great industry and in all its branches will give employment to hundreds of thousands and perhaps to millions of people. And that's pretty much almost going on right now as we speak. Don't you think? And I mean, here's a rundown of uh, chapter three. Our society has engineered much of daily movement out of our lives and we need to get it back. Imagine two circles that overlap in the center, also known as a Venn, V-E-N-N, diagram. One circle is your talents. The other circle represents that what you enjoy doing or your passions. Identifying the overlap between your talents and passions is critical to effectively acting to reach your goals. Remember, mind, body, and soul at the chapter one. As you continue to follow what you love to do, recognize that you are progressing, even if it's in small amounts. And, you know, another great read is Atomic Habits. And he talks about, in that book, about becoming 1% better every single day. If you did 1% better every day for 365 days, in one year, you'd be completely changed. If you got up every day and said you're gore- and looked in the mirror and was like, you're the most gorgeous, sexy bod I've ever seen every single day for a whole year, it would, that would be doing the 1% every day. You would be building your confidence. You would be building your self-esteem. That's 1% every day. Check it out. And check that book out, Atomic Habits. It'll blow your mind. The more you identify the sweet middle ground between your passions and talents, the better you will become at it. With consistent effort, you will develop a habit of success by your faith and work. And thank you guys for tuning in. And today I'm doing The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddle. Um, I uh, I find this book to be... this. This was a really good read. I'm telling you, you guys... There is so much powerful information in this thing. Um, I hope you run out there and get it because it talks about so much amazing. It's like a lot of great knowledge. Uh, Why not turn your attention to the development of aerial transportation instead of uh, 
competing with J.J. Hill and others for a chance in the steam railway world. Robert Fulton actually invented the first steam engine, by the way. It is quite true that if you are a workman, workman in the employ of the steel trust, you have very little chance of becoming the owner of the plant in which you work. But it is also true that if you will commence to act in a certain way, you can soon leave the employ of the steel trust. You can buy a farm of from 10 to 40 acres and engage in business as a producer of food stuff. And also, um, I believe that he wrote this part of this book because his mom and dad were farmhands in Illinois. There is great opportunity, and he grew up on a farm, honestly. Actually, I think he actually owned a farm and became a farmer at one time, too. That's uh, Wallace Waddles. There is great opportunity at this time for men who will live upon small tracts and land and cultivate the same intensity. Such men will certainly get rich. You may say that it is impossible for you to get the land, but I am going to prove to you that it is not impossible, and that you can certainly get a farm if you will go to work in a certain way. And the word certain way in this book is both capitalized. So that certain way is important to him in this book. So when you hear certain way in this chapter, maybe even. At different periods, the tide of opportunity sets in different direction according to the needs of the whole and the particular stage of social evolution which has been reached. At present in America, it is settled towards agriculture and the allied industries and professions. Today, opportunity is open before the farmer and his line more than before the factory worker is in his line. It is open before the businessman who supplies the farmer more than before the one who supplies the factory worker and before the professional man who waits upon the farmer more than before the one who serves the working class. There is abundance of opportunity for the man who will go with the tide instead of trying to swim against it. And that's what most of us do is we spend our lifetime swimming against the tide and forgetting to, um, you know, start saving early. If you started saving, I mean, this is me talking here. This ain't in the book, The Science of Getting Rich. This is actual true fact. If you started saving $75 a week at the age of 18, you could probably retire. And by the time you retired, you could probably retire early, honestly. But I know if you waited all throughout your 20s and you waited till your 30s to start saving, you'd have to save $1,000 a month to catch up on your retirement to retire happy and um be okay and not have to worry about a 401k, you know, or a Roth IRA. Anyways, back to the science of getting rich. <clears throat> so the factory workers, either as individuals or as a class, are not deprived of opportunity. The workers are not being kept down by their masters. They are not being ground by the trust and combinations of capital. As a class, they are where they are because they do not do things in a certain way. If the workers of America chose to do so, they could follow the example of their brothers in Belgium and other countries and establish great department stores and cooperatives, such as the industries. They could elect men of their own class to office and pass laws favoring the development of such cooperative industries and in a few years they could take peaceable possession of the industrial field. The working class may become the master class whenever they will begin to do things in a certain way. The law of wealth is the same for them as it is for all others. This they must learn and they will remain where they are as long as they continue to do as they do. The individual worker, however, is not held down by the ignorance or the mental slothness of his class. He can follow the tide of opportunity to riches, and this book will tell him how. No one is kept in poverty by a shortness in the supply of riches. There is more than enough for all. And see, when I was growing up, 
I think my mind formed the opinion that, you know, it was impossible to become rich where I was from. Or it was like a self-defeating theory that families pass on to generation to generation unless, you know, you you read these types of books and get out of the social norm of talking about lies and not reading the truth or you know, telling lies that you think is truth, but in reality, you have no idea that, you know, you were lied to. Anyways, back to the book. A palace as large as the Capitol at Washington might be built for every family on earth. From the building material in the United States alone, the uh, under intensive cultivation this country would produce wool, cotton, linen, and silk enough to clothe each person in the world finer than Solomon was arrayed in all his glory, together with food enough to feed them all luxuriously. The visible supplies is practically inexhaustible, and the invisible supply really is inexhaustible. Everything you see on earth is made from one original substance, out of which all things proceed. New forms are constantly being made, and older ones are dissolving, but all are shapes assumed by one thing. There is no limit to the supply of formless stuff or original substance. And like Bruce Lee said, you must be formless. If you pour water into a cup, it takes on the form of the cup. If you pour it into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. A teapot, it becomes the teapot. Is that not the truth? I think it is. There is no limit to the supply of formless stuff or original substance. The universe is made out of it, but it was not <clears throat> all used in making the universe. The spaces in through, through and between the forms of visible universe are paramount and filled with the original substance, with the formless stuff. With the raw material of all things, 10,000 times as much it has been made might still be made. And even then, we should not have exhausted the supply of universal raw material. No man, therefore, is poor because nature is poor and because there is not enough to go around. Well, there also wasn't 7.7 .7 billion people back in uh, Wallace Waddle's day either. <laughs> no man, therefore, is poor because nature is poor or because there is not enough to go around. Nature is an inexhaustible storehouse of riches. The supply will never run short. Original substance is alive with creative energy and is constantly producing more forms. When the supply of building material is exhausted, more will be produced. I know it used to be that we made houses out of nothing but wood and those types of materials. Now we're making houses out of recycled plastic and uh, metal. Uh, I think yeah, they use metal studs now for the whole entire house. I find it so interesting. And I find this interesting. I have lots, I've thought about this often in my life, that all of us live in little square boxes our entire lives. I find that to be very crazy. <laughs> When the supply of building material is exhausted, more will be produced. When the soil is exhausted, so the food so that food stuff and materials for clothing will no longer grow upon it, it will be renewed and more soil will be made. When all the gold and silver have been dug from the earth, if man is still in such a stage of social development that he needs gold and silver, more will be produced from the formless. The formless stuff responds to the needs of man. It will not let him be without anything that is good. This is true of man collectively. The race as a whole is always abundantly rich. And if individuals are poor, it is because they do not follow the certain way. Of doing things which makes the individual man rich, the formless stuff is intelligent. It's, the formless stuff is reading books, you guys. This is the Only You Podcast. I'm reading this book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. And it's a bomb-ass book. Get out there, check it out, read it. It is stuff which thinks. It is alive and is always impelled towards more life. It is the natural and inherent 
impulse of life to seek to live more. It is the natural of intelligence to enlarge itself and of consciousness to seek to extend its boundaries and find fuller expression. The universe of forms has been made by formless living substance, throwing itself into the form into form in order to express itself more fully. The universe is great living presence, always moving inherently toward more life and fuller functioning. Nature is formed for the advancement of life. Its impelling motive is the increase of life. For this cause, everything which can possibly minister to life is bountiful provided. There can be no lack unless God is to contradict himself and nullify his own works. You are not kept poor by lack in the supply of riches. It is a fact which I shall demonstrate a little further on that even the resources of the formless supply are at the command of the man or woman who will act and think in a certain way. And I want to say this, that I had a friend of mine tell me one time, you know, what happens, low when you let all the oil out of a car or you never put oil in it? I was like, well, the engine seizes up. He's like, exactly. He said, he looks at me all crazy, honestly, like looking me dead in the eyes. He's like, so what do you think's going to happen when all these idiots pump all that oil out of the center of the earth? The earth's a machine. It's spinning on an axis. Man, it hit me like a ton of bricks that day. I was like, man, that is, that is one wild theory, you know? But it's like, are we really going to ever find all the oil in the earth? Because there's tons under the ocean that we ain't found yet. And that we can't even get to, I think. I mean, because the dinosaurs. But, moving on. I think, I mean, I'm, I thought that was important to share, you know? Because it's, I mean, it's real. It's real talk. So, thank you guys for listening to the Only You Podcast. The first principle in the science of getting rich. Thought is the only power which can produce tangible riches from the formless substance. The stuff from which all things are made is a substance which thinks and a thought of form in this substance produces the form. Original substance moves according to its thoughts. Every form and process you see in nature is the visible expression of a thought in original substance. As the formless stuff thinks of a form, it takes that form. As it thinks of a motion, it makes that motion. That is the way all things were created. We live in a thought world, which is part of a thought universe. The thought of a moving universe extended throughout formless substance and the thinking stuff moving according to that thought took the form of systems of planets and maintains that form. Thinking substance takes the form of its thought and moves according to the thought. Holding the idea of a circling system of suns and worlds it takes the form of these bodies and moves them as it thinks, thinking the form of a slow-growing oak tree. It moves accordingly and produces the tree, though centuries may be excuse me, though centuries may be required to do the work. In creating, the formless seems to move according to the lines of motion. It has established the thought of an oak tree. Excuse me, I, I gotta back up for a second. And creating the formless, formless seems to move according to the lines of motion it has established. The thought of an oak tree does not cause the instant formation of a full-grown oak tree, but it does start in motion the forces which will produce the tree along established lines of growth. Every thought of form held in thinking substance causes the creation of the form. 
by always, or at least generally, along lines of growth and action already established. The thought of a house of a certain construction, if it were impressed upon formless substance, might not cause the instant formation of the house, but it would cause the turning of creative energies already working in trade and commerce into such channels as to result in the speedy building of the house. And if there were no exiting channels through which the creative energy could work, then the house would be formed directly from primal substance without waiting for the slow process of organic or an organic world. No thought of form can be impressed upon original substance without causing the creation of the form. Man is a thinking center and can originate thought. All the forms that man fashions with his hands must first exist in his thought. He cannot shape a thing until he has thought that thing. And so far man can confine his efforts wholly to the work of his hands. He has applied manual labor to the world of forms, seeking to change and modify those already existing. Is this book not a good book, you guys? I gotta tell you, I, I am I love I loved reading this book just for the fact of how he just dives so deep and when I hear how the words that he puts together in this book you can tell that people like Nikolai Tesla, Thomas Edison, you know, Alexander Graham Bell, you can tell that these people were using this book and using formless intelligence um, to, you know, gain great knowledge and putting, you know, knowledge into works with their hands. You guys, you know, I work in the robot world, honestly. And I have seen things that men have created that just blow my mind. Robots moving at the speed of light that are assorting, you know, your boxes of food that you get at the store. I've seen so many things that, you know, when they talk about, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, that's what they're going to start teaching our children at schools now because the Industrial Revolution has been formed and schools were formed to teach us as people, how to clock in and clock out, but also to gain the knowledge we needed to help to run these companies. And now that we have run these companies, we're coming up against, you know, huge economies like China. And China, Iran, and all those companies, or excuse me, all those countries over there, they're up to something right now that it's supposed to end the Industrial Revolution, and it's supposed to become the mega economy of the world and they're going to shut the United States out. I read about it and it sounds really interesting. It's artificial intelligence is some of it. And I believe that comes from uh, Wallace Waddles, the book, because I mean, any thought that you think about, you know, if you think about somebody hard enough and long enough, how much you love them and want them, honestly, they become yours. If you, you know, um, act a certain way, like this guy says, you know. First, we assert that there is one original formless stuff or substance from which all things are made. And I find this book to be one of the greatest books I've read that I've come across. And I hope that you guys go out there and um, find it. So, you know, if you guys are struggling with money situations like everybody else is in the world right now, start reading books that are going to change the neural pathways in your mind because a lot of us um, are held to constraints of negative upbringing, which it's not our relatives' fault. You know, they loved us, they cared for us, they got us here. And maybe there was times when there was, you know, disagreements or nasty fights or, you know, just wildness in the home. You know, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was discreet. You know, maybe dad sat at one end of the table. Maybe mom sat at one end of the, end of the table. And maybe the kids sat in the middle. And maybe nobody ever talked at dinner. And maybe it was complete silence in that house at all times. And you feel isolated and confused. And now you're, you're 
you feel poor and you don't have any money because you never got out and about, you know, you got to start changing your neural pathways, you know, mind, body, and soul. You got to find ways to dig deep inside of yourself. You know, if you're overweight and you're struggling to get the weight off, dude, it is not easy. You know, and these companies make this food to where it's just like you can drink calories, you know, and it's easy to stack up the calories. And if you got that metabolism that's like an ectomorph body style or, you know, I think it's ectomorph. Yeah, because endomorph is like you're super skinny. Ectomorph is like, I think you get really big. And there's one other one that you're in between. But, you know, you can't defeat, you can, you can't defeat your genes. You know, you can battle it with medicine. You know, it's just like high blood pressure. You could battle that with medicine, but you're never going to defeat your genes, you know. Um, So, please, you guys, pick up this book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddle. Give it a good read. Um, If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them. Thank you for listening. This is my second season doing this podcast. I now have hundreds and hundreds of viewers. I am so grateful for every single one of you guys. It means so much to me when you reach out to, and it's the only you podcast 2022 at gmail.com if you guys want to, you know, message me. And thank you everybody who has messaged me in the past. Um, I took a short break for a while because I couldn't really get focused on my career. I was kind of um, getting sidetracked with some things, so I had to get refocused. But I'm back, and I'm going to try to do one of these a week if I can for a while and see how that goes and I'll be here. Thank you for listening and thank you for following me and thank you for sharing me. And it means so much to me to be in your ears, to have you think that I'm somebody great. I'm trying to just, I'm not trying to be somebody great. I'm actually trying to be the best I know how to be and that I can be today because nobody's promised tomorrow. And as Augmandino once said, Um, tomorrow is only on the calendar of fools, friends. It's your boy, Lo Jackson. Thank you.